One time I said to a person who was in our church group, haven't you ever had a fear of God? She stopped and thought about it, and she said, no, I don't think I have. From the minute I was born again, God taught me about the fear of the Lord. He took me to many examples in the prophets in the Old Testament to show what would happen if I didn't obey God and what was possible to happen to me if I failed to fully do the word of God that was spoken to me and if I failed to fully speak the word of God. We have so many examples in the Bible and instructions in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because if you have a fear of the Lord, you know that what he tells you is the way to go. Therefore, you set aside your own personal feelings and obey him. It's the beginning of wisdom. You know that what he tells you is the best way for you. And if you don't go that way, the consequences can be very serious. You can bring destruction upon yourself if you fail to obey God. These are things God taught me by the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. If we allow ourselves to be overthrown as we go through this life and the problems of this life, we are not going to please God because we should be taking every problem to God in prayer and overcoming through that which God shows us about the problem. Paul says, now these things that happened to them in the Old Testament were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. As you read the Old Testament especially, look for examples. Be aware of examples. Examples where they please God. Examples where they fail to please God. Examples of blessings and curses. Examples of how they did things and cursed themselves by what they did. You'll learn from those. You build your life on those examples that you would not do the same thing they did, but go another way. King Saul had instruction given to him by God. God even explained to him why he was doing what he was doing. Saul went forth and did part of the thing, but he changed the instruction and didn't fully follow the instruction. For this cause, God removed the kingdom 
from Saul and took the Holy Spirit away from Saul. We read this in 1 Samuel 15. It is a very important example to us. You think salvation can't be removed from you? Your church is teaching you that? Jesus said in Revelation 3, 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Don't you see by this example, by this scripture, that our names could be blotted out of the book of life? Jesus says, but I will confess his name, the one who overcomes, before my father and before his angels. And the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Starting at verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 5, Paul tells us the same thing. Start at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. After we are born again, we do not continue in our sins. We don't want to. Now, after we're born again, God has given us a new heart and a new spirit. And we aren't like we were before. We don't want to sin. We don't want to go in the way of sin. We don't want to do the things of the world. Now, we want to know God and read the Bible and please God and follow him after we're born again. In John chapter 8, the woman taken in adultery was brought before Jesus, and he did not condemn her, but he said to her, go and sin no more. Now, what happens if you go and continue to sin? What happens if you are a homosexual and you see the truth of Romans chapter 1? that God gave you over to vile affections and God rescues you and changes you and you go back to being a homosexual, what happens to you then? What happens to you if you were a drunkard and you return to drunkenness after God has restored you? What happens to you if you were committing adultery and were a whoremonger 
and God cleansed you and gave you a new way of life. And you continued in the new way of life for a little while, and then you returned to that form of life which you had before you were enlightened to the Word of God. What happens to you? When God caused me to be born again, he said to me, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, sins, I thought they were mistakes. See, a lot of people think their sins are mistakes. They know they've done something wrong, but they just think they they made a mistake. Recently, we heard a football coach from the NFL say that very thing. He was sorry he had hurt anyone by his email that he had written, and it was a mistake. It was actually a sin, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't recognize it. God has not shown him that. Therefore, he can't repent because he can't see his sin. But if we see our sin and are enlightened to that sin, and then we return to it, this is extremely serious. For to do that really requires Jesus to be crucified afresh to forgive you that sin after you've returned to that sin. And in the Bible, we read, there's no repentance for that sin when you do it after you have been enlightened to it. Let's look at some scripture on this subject. The apostle Peter said, we're better off if we were never enlightened than to sin after we are enlightened. That is to say, If we sin after we are enlightened to that sin, if your sin was adultery and fornication and whoremongering, and you have been given enlightenment by God that you are committing a sin and you repented, and for 40 years you don't do that, and then all of a sudden you return to that way of life, That's what Peter is talking about in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Also look, please, at Hebrews 10. Start at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, that doesn't mean to go out and assemble with the apostate church, but to assemble with other people who have the Spirit of God and who demonstrate that they are 
following the Spirit of God. That's the real church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Unfortunately and sadly, there was a Bible teacher at Word of Faith, which I attended that church back there between the time, almost the time I was born again, up until God showed me I had to leave that church group. There was a Bible teacher, our teacher. He was a divorced man. I liked many things about him. He always, during his Bible class, opened it up for the Holy Spirit to speak by saying, Is there anyone who has a word from the Lord? If so, feel free to share it. That was very good. But in private, this man was going to bars and seeking women and committing fornication. When I heard about him having a girlfriend, which none of us knew, knew about. It was a girlfriend from the world. I went to him and asked him about the girlfriend. He was very evasive. And then I said to him, point blank, are you committing sexual intercourse with this girlfriend? And he said, of course. And that's how he said it to me. There was no shame at all. Of course. I said to him, Oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have nothing to do with you in the future. I can't attend your Bible class. I can't sit with you at church. I can't participate in things of God with you. 1 Corinthians 5 is what I was referring to, the instruction given by Paul for such a brother in Christ. Paul says, starting in verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. 
Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. Let us therefore keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And then Paul says in verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, a brother in Christ, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. Don't think you're going to turn them. You're not. If they have been enlightened to the truth on the subject, and they go back into that sin, all you can do is turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, and I believe we do that by withdrawing from them. Paul says, with such a one, know not to eat. And he says, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And he is wicked when he is enlightened to the truth and returns to the sin. That's wickedness. We accept what the Bible says and just do it. Look for a minute at Hebrews 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. It's impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And that's what Peter's talking about when he says, it would have been better for them never to have been enlightened than to have turned from the truth. Jimmy Swaggart was caught with a prostitute. He's a TV preacher. He was caught with a prostitute several years ago. And at that time, after he got caught, he appeared on his TV show crying, and most of us saw it. And he was saying, I have sinned, and tears were rolling down his cheeks. I happened to attend an Assembly of God church as a visitor during that period of time. And the pastor said, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. And out of my mouth, very softly came the words, he should be put out of the church. Because I knew what Paul said. Paul didn't say pray for a brother that commits fornication. He said, don't eat with him, put him away from you. I knew these scriptures, so I just couldn't help it. I just said, he should be put out of the church. Well, I didn't say it loudly. I said it very softly. And a woman in front of me in that congregation turned around and just glared at me. But I was right, because I said what the Bible says. This pastor was going by 
his own flesh and how a fleshly thing that would make him look good in the sight of other people. But when I spoke to this Bible teacher at Word of Faith and said, you know the Bible as well as I do, I can have nothing to do with you. And he said, that's right, because he did know the Bible as well as I did. So the people in the Assembly of God leadership allowed Swaggart to continue to be one of their ministers, ordained by them. About three years later, Swaggart was caught with another prostitute. And at that point, the Wikipedia said Swaggart's reply was, it has nothing to do with you. The Assembly of God leadership at that time deflocked Swaggart, putting him away from them as a minister. But they didn't follow scripture. So many people in churches do things and fail to follow Scripture. They fail to follow the Word of God. They don't have a fear of God. They don't have a respect for the Scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have they that do His commandments. You simply do what the Word of God says to do, and accept it and do the thing in an appropriate way. In December 2018, I fell at my house in Texas as the ambulance workers were rolling me past the front door of my house. I heard from God these words, You'll never see this house again. I put the house up for sale while I was in the hospital. One of our church members came to me and said, I don't see how you can do this. And I said to her, I've heard from God you'll never see this house again. That's how I can do it. People will often try to turn you from the word that you've heard from God. But the word that you've heard from God is all that matters. As a new Christian, I owned a business in Dallas, and a woman took me to court over an incident that happened at my shop. And I heard a word which I believed to be from God, and that was, don't testify. I told my lawyer, I said, you may not want to represent me because I believe I've heard from God not to testify, and I'm a Christian, so I can't testify. He said, oh, that's all right. Flo witnessed it. She's a woman who worked for me, and she will testify. Well, a lot of interesting things happened unexpectedly. Flo got very angry with me. She said, now that you're not going to testify, all of the burden's on me. And I said, but what can I do? I believe I've heard from God. And he said to me, don't testify. Well, of course, that didn't pacify flow one bit. The man I was dating at the time said, Joan, you're not doing this girl any good by not testifying. I replied, I'm not trying to do her any good. I'm trying to obey what I believe God has told me, and that is don't testify. 
During the trial, the lawyer, my lawyer, said the testimony of Flo didn't go as well as I'd hoped it would go. I don't know what's going to happen. But if you will testify, we will win this case. And I said to him, well, I'll see. And I went into the restroom, and I began praying, and I said to God, what do you want me to do? And I heard, don't testify. So I went back to the courtroom, and as I entered the courtroom, the lawyer was looking at me, and I just shook my head no, and they left me alone at that point. We did win the case, and I did not testify. You see, you just have to do the Word of God. The written Word of God or the Word you hear from the Holy Spirit. Doing the Word of God and doing what it really says shows whether or not you'll follow God or whether you believe God or whether you have a fear of the Lord. A woman in our church group told us one time, she said, I've heard a word from God. And she said, I heard this. Now is the time for you to get a dog. She heard that in October or November of that year. She told us probably in January or February of the next year. She still didn't have a dog. She was trying to find the perfect dog. She finally bought a little dog in, I think it was June of the following year. She heard this word in October or November of the previous year, and what she reported to us that she heard is, now is the time for you to get a dog. Now. This woman ended up doing things and is no longer with us. But it's that following the Word of God, doing what God says to you that is so important. Many people today in churches explain away Scripture. They explain away Scripture such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Matthew 5.32, that's also repeated in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 19. But I know Matthew 5.32 has this at the end of that verse. And they, that's not reasonable to their mind. So they eliminate that instruction. You can't do that. I met a man and a woman, and she became my best friend back in the 70s. She had been divorced, and she didn't tell anyone at the church she was attending that she was divorced. This man had lost his wife to cancer, and he had three young children, one very young. He was looking for a wife at church. He met two women, and he decided to date Donna. whom he ended up marrying, the one that became my best friend later. I met them long after they married. One day I said to Hal, Hal, if you had known that Donna was a divorced woman, would you have dated her? 
he really seriously thought, and he said, no, I don't believe I would have dated her. But he dated her, fell in love with her, and married her. Now, he knew this scripture in Matthew 5.32, but he went ahead and married her anyway. This does not show a fear of the Lord. If we know something in the scripture and we go in an opposite direction, then we are basically saying, there won't be any penalty on me if I do this. God won't punish me. I can do what I want to do. That's what your thinking is. I just find that I have a fear of what will happen to me if I go against the Word of God, the Scriptures. That's called a fear of the Lord. I think a lot of that fear of the Lord is developed by reading the Bible and thinking about what happened to these people when they disobeyed God. In the Old Testament, nothing good happened when they disobeyed God. And in the New Testament, I see it confirmed again that if you go against God and what he says, you are not going to bring blessings on yourself. So I did develop a very strong fear of God. The woman who told me that she had never had a fear of God, she's no longer with us. Jesus says, because iniquity abounds in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. I believe that means the love for the word of God will wax cold because iniquity abounds around us. It abounds around every one of us. You turn on the television set and you see iniquity. You talk to a neighbor and often they will say things that are contrary to the word of God. Many of them live opposite to the word of God. Iniquity abounds and the love of God wax cold. But Jesus says, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. I believe we have to focus on the word of God that's brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit. And in order to focus on that, I put those scriptures into what's called a screen print, and then it transfers immediately to my photo album on my Kindle tablet. And I can look at those scriptures day and night until they get really deep inside me because some, sometimes it takes a month or a year even for them to get so deeply rooted in you that you actually do the scriptures. It's so important to keep scripture before us because the iniquity abounds around us. And it gets worse and worse as we draw nearer to the return of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, In the last days perilous times will come. They'll look like they're of God, they will have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. 
They love their church buildings. They love the stained glass. They love the choirs. They love the music. But they don't have that love of the Word of God. You follow the Word of God even unto death, meaning the loss of your own reputation among men. Because you don't do the sins they do. And they don't want to be around you because it makes them feel guilty. That's okay. Why does light want to be around darkness anyway? We hunt the people who demonstrate to us that they not only have the Spirit of God, but are following the Spirit of God because in Romans 8.14, it says as many as follow the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. There are so many who say they are Christians who are not the children of God. They are following their own reasoning. They go to church to make themselves look good. They go to church because it makes them feel comfortable about themselves. But they don't have that love of the Word of God. That's what it takes. One of our church members, I thought she was a prophet. When I first met her, she just loved to hear what God was doing and things of God. After 39 years, she turned cold. At the end, when I called her, she would get very silent when I spoke of what God was doing or what God had shown me. She didn't want to hear that. But when I spoke about a certain movie and what great acting it had, she came on fire because she loved that. But she didn't show a love of God in the end, and she ended up leaving us. I believe that's an example of the iniquity abounding around her and the love of God waxing cold. So I have seen it in church people. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge, the way of God, the word of God. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, you can't turn them, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We can be turned over by God to a reprobate mind if we don't have the desire to keep that word of God in front of us to be able to do it. If we put it aside from us and go another way, 
The time can come that God can turn us over to a reprobate mind and remove from us the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. There have been many times I have examined my own self. When was the last time I heard something from the Holy Spirit? And I will sit and think until God shows me something that he has brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit. And I say, oh, great. I'm in Christ Jesus. He's in me. The Holy Spirit is still there. For it's very important to me to have the Holy Spirit in me and also to keep the scriptures before me that God brings to my mind to instruct me in the way to go, to keep those scriptures before me day and night and let them build a deep root system in me so that I'm actually doing what that scripture tells me to do. That's very important to me. The fear of the Lord and what he can do to you is the beginning of wisdom. It causes us, I think, to have a deeper respect for the word that God says, both in the Bible and to us personally, that we would know that if we choose to go another way, bad things are going to happen to us. But if we go in the way of God, we bring blessings from God upon us. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.